Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 34 of the Hang Time with Algie podcast. I am your host, Luke Halgerson, coming to you on this October 23rd of 2020. You know how we do it? Five topics, unpopular opinion. Let's get things rolling. Topic number one, World Series, game three, tonight. 8 p.m., Dodgers against the Rays. And let me tell you, it's even right now. I like where this series is going. You know, the Dodgers ran away with it in game one. They were dominant. They won 8-3. to three. You know, The offense was clicking. Glass now just didn't have it for the Rays pitching-wise. You know, he pitched four in a third inning, gave up six earned runs, six walks, three hits, eight strikeouts. You know, the Bullpen calmed down a li- little bit. You know, Fleming gave up two earned off five hits. But it was just the Dodgers game. Kershaw, I'll tip my cap. I disrespected him. Last episode said he was going to be a difference maker and the reason why the Dodgers struggle. He pitched great. Best playoff performance I've ever seen him have that I can ever recall. Ever recall. At this late in the playoffs, Kershaw's game one was the best I've ever seen him pitch. Six innings, one earned run. Two hits. I think he retired the last, like, 17 of the last 19 he faced. He was shut down. It was what everyone hypes Kershaw up to be during the regular season when he's winning Cy Youngs constantly, and we're always told he's the greatest pitcher of our generation. This is the kind of outing I needed to see from him to starting to believe those sentiments. Like, he played, pitched great. Dodgers offense, you know, Mookie Betts showing he's the second player, best player in the world behind uh, Mike Trout. But their Dodgers offense, they're just going to be dangerous. Corey Seager, Turner, Muncie, Smith, Bellinger, Taylor, Peterson. Every single person in the Dodgers lineup can go deep and change the aspect of the game. That's why game two, you know, Dodgers struggled. They did struggle a little bit. Rays won 6-4, to four, so the series is right now even at one game apiece. Going into game three, the Rays are going to be the home team this time around, um, starting at 8 p.m. So it does matter who bats last in the game. But, yeah, the Rays were – they looked great in game two. They showed what they were – showed what they were capable of. You know, hitting timely home runs, just showing – Brandon Lau finally stepped up, a guy who has been quiet all playoffs, had two home runs, went two for five, three RBIs. You know, Wendell, he also chipped in three RBIs. Like, two guys had all six of their RBIs. It's only a matter of time before the offense gets rolling even more for the Tampa Bay Rays. That's why going into game three, I like the Rays. Charlie Morton's going to be on the mound for them. I know Walker Bueller is pitching for the Dodgers. He's a great pitcher as well. It's going to be a pitching battle for the ages, people. If you like pitching as much as I do, I was a former pitcher in high school. Yeah, this is the kind of game I look forward to watching where I expect the pitchers to dominate. And the reason why I expect them to dominate is both pitchers have been great this year. Spectacular. You know, Bueller was okay in the regular season, had a 3.44 ERA. 
You know, nothing too spectacular. In four postseason starts already, 1.89 ERA, 29 strikeouts in 19 innings pitched. That is sensational. He was tremendous against the Braves in the championship series. 11 innings, 13, striking out 13, allowing one run in the entire series against the Braves. 11 innings, he gave up one run. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> what more can you say about him? Then the other guy for the Rays, uh, Charlie Morton, uh, he's been fantastic as well. What's his ERA this postseason? Uh, I think it's a staggering, like, 1.79. Like, his ERA is better <laughs> than Walker Buehler's, which is kind of hard to believe right now. Like, Walker Buehler's numbers are absolutely sick. But Charlie Morton coming in, and again, another guy probably no one has heard of if you don't pay attention to baseball. You have no idea who these guys on the Rays are. It's pretty spectacular. But another reason I give the advantage to the Rays, I expect their offense to ramp up a little more than what it did in game two. I expect more of that. But they also have the better bullpen. That is the Tampa Bay Rays. Like they led the league in war, wins above replacement as the entire bullpen. They finished third in ERA, second in walk rate. They just got guys who can shut people down I mean they come every single guy uh, pretty much every bullpen guy though for both of these teams can come in and throw a hundred like it's nothing on each side it's absolutely ridiculous Castillo for the Rays uh, he came in for one batter three pitches done strikeout <laughs> he struck out Taylor just on three pitches like it was nothing just throwing I think he threw 98 98 went and then threw an off-speed pitch that was still over 90 miles an hour and that was it. That was the ball game. Every single one of the pitchers in both of these bullpens is dominant, and if used effectively, can be great. So I see that being the difference maker tonight. Give me the Rays. They're my pick to win the World Series. I'm going to keep riding with them. You know, it's going to be I, – I think it's going seven games. I predict the Rays to win in seven on my original pick. I think that's going to be the case even after the first two games. If anything, the first two games are just – Examples of why it's going to happen. Teams are very evenly matched. It's just, it literally is going to come down to a single digit number of plate appearances. And probably like two or three plate appearances will decide this entire series. If you really think about it. World Series, baby. October baseball. It doesn't get any better than this. Moving on. Topic number two. Week seven? Of the NFL? Are you kidding me? I mean, we are flying through this season, almost halfway through it. <laughs> we are just cruising right along, picking up steam. It's great. It's in full force. Thursday night game yesterday was an absolute snoozer. I didn't watch a down. I did happen to see a couple highlights. You know, I saw the Wentz game-winning drive, and I also saw, um, what's his name, Giants quarterback, Daniel Jones get tripped up by himself. On, the, uh, on a huge run. Could have been a big touchdown for him, but nope. Didn't convert. He got tripped up. Eagles ended up winning that game. You know, everyone wants to, you know, still disrespect Carson Wentz. I mean, he is playing with absolute scrubs at this point. Absolute scrubs. It's just him out there. He's a big play guy. That's why he came down to the final drive for them. He'll make big plays. And see, both of these teams, just the NFC East, I... 
honestly don't even want to talk about their teams anymore because the Bears have one less win the entire division combined. It is an absolute joke, and one of these teams gets to host a playoff game. Uh, <laughs> at this point, with Wentz's resiliency, with his intestinal fortitude, and the Cowboys losing Dak and being as dysfunctional as they are, and how bad the Washington football team is and how bad the New York football giants are, I got <laughs> I got to say, I think the Eagles are going to win this division. And they're going to be, what? They have a tie, so they're going to be like 6-8-1. and one. <laughs> Just the, they're, This division winner is going to have the worst record. Like We might see a 6-10 and 10 team division winner if the Cowboys can miraculously pull it off. Just mm, embarrassing. But what I really want to talk about moving into week seven are the, the big games of the weekend. I'm going to give you five must-watch games of the weekend. You know, a couple of them, like yesterday's Thursday night game. You could have skipped over it. It didn't matter. Unless you had fantasy pieces who you had to desperately watch, you could have missed it. You didn't miss much. Let me tell you that. You did not miss much at all. But to the real games that matter this weekend, first game, the battle of the undefeateds, the 5 and O's. That's right, the Steelers against the Titans. Both teams looking like they're bound for the playoffs. Titans are looking like they're Super Bowl contenders. Still need to see a little more out of Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger hasn't been great. He's been okay. Haven't heard much. The defense for them is great. They get a lot of turnovers. You know, the offense is, what, 28th? 28th ranked offense. Defense number one in the league right now. Like, the passing game hasn't been there. The rushing game's been there a little bit with Connor, but... Yeah, it's just, I like the Titans in this one. Derrick Henry, best running back in the league. Kind of hard to bet against him as of right now. Tannehill has been exceptional. He's really surprised me. I've talked about this last episode. I can't believe how productive he's been away from Miami. I guess Adam Gates just ruins quarterbacks. Whoever he's coaching just gets worse, just gets downgraded. Like, Tip your cap to Tannehill. Vrabel has got him rolling. It's Give me the Titans here. I know the Steelers have a number one defense, but I don't know how you stop Derrick Henry. Really don't. He's just too big. He's the kind of player that you like wish you had in a video game. That you could, If you do create a player and you make a running back, you make someone who's like, yeah, as big as a wide receiver height-wise and then also, you know, 50, 70 pounds heavier. Like that's the ideal guy you go for. And then you're like, great, I'm a running back. I'm going to get the ball all the time. You know, like that's what you want. That's what you want in your creative player. That's what Derrick Henry is. He's at this point a creative player. And especially in a league that has gone really pass heavy, it's interesting that the Titans are, get to ride on him. And he's showing he's the number one running back. You know, Zeke, where are you? After that, I can't say Bell is even close to even those guys' level. Like, Derrick Henry is by far and away right now the best running back in the league. I guess Christian McCaffrey, but he's hurt. Haven't seen much of him. He hasn't played much. So, give me the Titans in this one. It's going to be a good game, though. Looking forward to it. It's just one of the many good games this weekend. But I'll just cover five of them. So, that was the first one. Second one that I think will be a good game, Bucks against the Raiders. Bucks. Tampa Bay just came off a blowout win against the new um, Green Bay Packers. 38 to 10. They scored 38 unanswered points. Rodgers had a 10-point lead and then just blew it. I think this is where the Bucks kind of kick it into high gear. 
This is where they take the step. This is where they should take the step. After a big win against a playoff team, a team that a lot of people consider going to the Super Bowl, I mean, talking about it with my guy Lucas Armstrong. If he had $10,000, he said he would bet on the Green Bay Packers. I said the Bucks. I'm going to stand by that statement, but Packers are a great team, a really strong team, and the Bucks took it to them. Their defense was great. I expect that to the defense to just keep getting better as the season goes on and the offense to get more flow. It was the first game the offense really gelled and flowed together. Tom Brady's really learning this offense, figuring out what Bruce Arian wants. I think this is where the Bucks, the turn the corner game was against the Packers. This is where we really see what the Bucks are going to do moving forward. And against a team that has been a shock, one of the biggest surprises of the season. The Raiders, I mean, they beat the Saints. They beat the Chiefs. <laughs> the Raiders, people, the laughing stock. What if they won one playoff game in 18 years? They've been terrible. I mean, they've been dreadful. And now they're finally good. You know, they got Gruden, Carr's been finally really figuring it out. He's had one good year. Uh, Raiders have been a huge shock to me, and I'm sure everyone else. But I'm going to take the Bucks. Yeah, but this will show. This will show. This really shows. This is, this is kind of a prove-it game for both teams. For the Raiders, it's all right. Let's prove that the win against the Saints and the Chiefs are legit. Let's pr- validate that. And then for the Bucks, it's like, okay, let's validate that we figured it out. I think it might be the biggest game of the weekend, honestly, for both teams when you look at it. I think it'll be the most exciting one. And uh, I expect fireworks. I expect a pretty high-scoring game. Uh, I think the Bucks' defense look great, but we'll s- see if they can do it again against the Raiders. But again, I'm going to take the... I mean, they have the third best defense in the league right now. Again, I'm going to take the Bucks in this one. I think they're the better team. Obviously, Tom Brady over Derek Carr. So give me the Bucks against the Raiders. Third game, uh, I got the Chiefs against the Broncos. Now, you might not think that's all that exciting, but it is. Five and one Chiefs against the Broncos, who are two and three. Now, the Broncos did just beat the New England Patriots, who a lot of people consider are in fight for that top of that division and a playoff spot. Now, the Patriots are two and three themselves, but maybe the Broncos, it could be a new leaf for them after beating them, after beating the Patriots, getting Drew Locke back. Uh, you know, they still got Melvin Gordon until his DUI suspension comes around. But, uh, frankly, you just got the Chiefs are must-watch. Uh, you can't miss it. You really can't. Even when it's inclement weather, it's not great. Mahomes is still brilliant. He's still incredible. Just last game against the Bills, he threw, what, four or five incompletions? Didn't have to do too much. They got a good running game. Le'Veon Bell's going to play. <laughs> uh, the offense has too much firepower to miss. It's must watch football. That's the only reason the Chiefs are here. It's not so much for the Broncos. Broncos, yeah, this is something to prove. Uh, division foe, let's see if that Patriots, if you can build off that Patriots win. Again, I'm going to take the Chiefs, though, obviously. You'd be foolish to take the Broncos here. You know, betting against Patrick Mahomes, the defending Super Bowl champions, Andy Reid, Le'Veon Bell's on my fantasy team. I want, I'm interested to see how that plays out and how it works as Hyde has been incredible for them. 
lot of storylines, a lot of implications here. Uh, give me the Chiefs, though. It's, give me the Chiefs, and I expect the Chiefs to win big. I know the game is in Denver, and, <laughs> I mean, the Broncos just don't have it compared to what the Chiefs have, if you look at it top to bottom. It's not, not even close to compare roster-wise because the offense for the Chiefs is just so much superior. All right, fourth game. Seattle Seahawks against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, it should be noted that this game was switched to the Sunday night football game. The Bucks raiders game might actually not happen this weekend because the Raiders had some positive COVID tests. So they wanted to make sure for the Sunday night football game, a game actually gets played. So it was supposed to be the Bucks raiders That game was moved to 4 o'clock, one of the afternoon games. Uh, at this point, um, it's a go. It's supposed to happen. We will see. But, um, yeah. But, anyways, I digress. So, (laughs) breaking news. We're going to break breaking news on the podcast since I'm just talking about the Bucks. Antonio Brown says, Bucks to the Bucks, 99% done. This is what Antonio Brown says 99% he's going to Tampa Bay. He's going to team back up with Tom Brady. Now, we remember they had the short stint. (laughs) for the Patriots. They played, what, two, three games? He threw one touchdown to them, and then, boom, the rape allegations came along. Oh, (laughs) you're off. The team hasn't played since. Rumors were he could possibly go to Seattle. He worked out with Russell Wilson in the offseason. Now Antonio Brown is saying 99% done that he is joining the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, The rich get richer. Are you kidding me? Antonio, if Antonio Brown has stayed in any type of shape of what he was, he was definitely right up there with one of the best receivers in the league. You could argue, and I had the argument a couple years ago, that who was the best receiver in the league? This was back in 2017. I said it was Julio Jones, the person who I was arguing with, with said it was Antonio Brown. When he is healthy, when he is playing, he is one of the best receivers in the league. To give him to the Tampa Bay Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. It's still got Gronk. Gronk's finally getting into his own. Brady can just make receivers good. I mean, there's a BGSU player on there that Brady's making passes to. And Brady shares the ball. And if he can share the ball to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown, uh, ruh-roh, Raggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I honestly hope it's true. Like, it would just make me feel better about my Super Bowl aspirations for this Bucks team. But <laughs> it is believed the deal will be a one-year deal and carry significant upside for the whiteout. This is according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, very reliable source. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I... I think this might be the first news story I've ever broken. Na na na, na na na. <laughs> but yeah, so very exciting right there. So, but yeah, I digress. Fourth biggest game of the weekend: Seahawks against the Cardinals. Seahawks are five and zero. Russell Wilson looking like the MVP. Kyler Murray's playing like an MVP himself. Like I said, Seahawks five and zero. Cardinals four and two, tied for second in that division with the Rams four and two. That's right. Arizona has been very solid this year. The offense ranked fifth in the NFL. They're third in rushing. Kyler Murray is pretty untouchable back there. 
I mean, I like them as a team. A lot of talent. When you have Murray who can throw to Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, they put a lot of pressure on you. They put a lot of pressure. Cliff Kingsbury is definitely an offensive genius. Uh, the defense has been marginal enough, and obviously four and two. Uh, they're fighting for the top of the division right here, and they're going against the team that holds the top spot in the division, in the best division in football at that, in the NFC West. But again, battle of the MVPs, you could say at this point, or the MVP front runners. Maybe you might not say Murray's a front runner. You could say Mahomes is in front of him. You could say Jackson is in front of him. But the way that they're progressing in just year two. And the way they've already improved, you know, they they weren't great last year, but they're looking really nice this year. I expect this to be a high-scoring game. I mean, the Seahawks have played – every single game they've played has been close. Every single game that the Seahawks have been in have been close, regardless of the team they're playing. It's been back and forth the entire way, and Russell Wilson pulls off the magic to win. So, again, Wilson, my MVP pick. The game is in Arizona. Arizona, they're going to have a small amount of fans, so home field really doesn't make that big a difference. But, wow, I'm really going to do it. I'm going to pick against the Seahawks here, and I'm going to say the Cardinals win this game. It's going to be back and forth. It's really going to come down to who has the ball, final possession. Uh, who gets the ball last? That's how this game is going to play out, and that's how I see it playing out. So, But give me the Cardinals. Give me Arizona. Fifth, final game, Monday night football, the Chicago Bears against the Los Angeles Rams. They're going to play in SoFi Stadium. <laughs> no fans because it's in California, but it's going to be a great game. Bears 5-1. and one. Oh, the defense has been incredible. The Rams, they're 4-2. and two, Another good team. Tied for second in that division. Um, Bears defense has been great. Rams have looked really well. You know, Sean, Again, Sean McVay was slept on last year. I know they went 8-8. Eight and eight. They were a little rocky. But this year, they've really figured it out. They brought in the right pieces. They made the right changes. They got Donald and Ramsey on the other side of the ball on the defensive end. It's they're a good team. Really solid team. McVay's still a good coach. Uh, their last meeting, the Rams won last year, 17-7. to It's just Bears offense that I'm really concerned with. You know, this defense will carry, get them into games. The pass rush is incredible. The secondary has been pretty good as well for the Bears. Just oh, that offense, it just... Uh, again, I harp on it every time I talk about the Bears. Really, the quarterback play is the biggest difference for this team. Foles puts them in a better position to win, but I'm never so sure when it comes to Nick Foles. It just... And it, it hasn't looked spectacular. You know, they're 5-1, and one, but the wins... They've beaten the teams that are in front of them. You know, they beat the Bucks. But that was on a Thursday night game. Bucks were super sloppy. I'm just, yeah, I like my team, but I'm just not, I'm not sold on them when it comes to the playoffs. I, I get really concerned that the offense is going to go stale regular season. I do see them getting to double-digit wins. This is where the, the schedule gets tougher for them, though. 
I, I think this is the second real test that this team has had. So, come on, Bears. Keep it rolling. For this game, though, against the Rams, Bears, battle of two top defensive players on the front line with Mack and Aaron. God, I don't want to go against my Bears. I don't, I don't want to do it. And you know what? I'm not doing it. Bear down Chicago Bears Monday night football. ESPN. Tune in. Bears winning that game. That's what's going to happen. Moving on. Topic number three. New coaches in the NBA. We've had some coaching hiring since the last time we've spoke. And uh, let's start with the first, I guess the biggest coaching change. Biggest hiring would be Stan Van Gundy. That's right. Stan, the man, is going to be the newest coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. Apparently, he signs a four-year deal. I like Stan. Stan's a good coach. He's been successful in almost every place he's been. He made it to the Eastern Conference Finals with the Miami Heat. He coached them. Then he was let go by Pat Riley, and Pat Riley took over the team, and then they won the championship the next year. And then he went to Orlando. Let's not forget, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, got Dwight Howard to, his, uh, to go against the Los Angeles Lakers in 2009. And then, you know, Detroit was his problem years. And there's, I think there's reasons for that, and we'll get to, into them shortly. But I like the hiring you know, for his career. He's got 523 wins to 384 losses for you non-math majors out there. That's a 57% win percentage. Um, look, I like him as a coach. I think he gets the best out of his players. They have a lot of talent on the team, a lot of young talent, though. But I think he does well with young talent. He's shown he can succeed, you know, with a young weight. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2005. He, he got them there. Stan Van Gundy, yes, that's right, Stan the man. That's what he did. They had 11 playoff wins that year. And in his first official year coaching them, he got them to the playoffs and won them a playoff series and then forced a game seven all the way back in 2004. He only coached in Miami for three years. You know, he started the year 2005 and six as the head coach. But then, like I said, Pat Riley let him go and took over the reins of coaching that team. Uh, moved to Orlando in the second year he was there. Again, made it to the NBA Finals. You know, with Dwight Howard, Hito Turgaloo, a young J.J. Redick, you know, Michael Petras, uh, Jameer Nelson, just a scrappy team. But I think he can, you know, replicate maybe not that kind of success of getting to the finals in his second year with this Pelicans team. But they can improve. You know, I will say I would have preferred the Pelicans to give Alvin Gentry another chance with this roster, you know. Zion missed a ton of time last year. What did he play? 19 games altogether? He, he didn't play much at all, if you really think about it. And the NBA tried to set it up for the bubble for the Pelicans to make a push. They gave him the easiest schedule. They didn't do it. And they just didn't look disinterest, disinterested in being in the bubble. But I would have liked to give Gentry another chance. He's shown he's, he can be a good head coach if given the right opportunity. Again, they had a ton of guys miss times with injury, and I would have given Gentry another chance, but I do like the Van Gundy hiring. You know, the reason 
he succeeded everywhere except Detroit was for one reason. In Detroit, they gave him president of basketball operations. I think he had his feet in too many areas. Feet in too many shoes, I guess, if you want to describe it as such. That, that's how it went. You know, he just... He made roster moves. He traded for Blake Gray. He really set the organization in Detroit behind years. Like years to come. I can imagine as Detroit basketball fans, they are not happy. He had one winning season there. They got swept in the playoffs. It, I just think he had too much control in the organization. That's why I think he definitely has a better situation with the Pelicans. He's just coming in to coach. He's just coming in to coach. David Griffin is a great GM, shown he can be a championship-level GM and put the right guy pieces around, maybe a certain player if you just want to say LeBron James. David Griffin has a good track record as a GM that he can make moves and get things done and put players in the right position to win. And Stan Van Gundy has done the same thing as a coach. He gets the best out, out of his players. I think the young players will respond well, hopefully. you know, He's a very demanding coach, very aggressive coach. You know, he's loud. He loves to talk. He's one of my favorite commentators. You know, it's a shame we don't get to hear him in the broadcast booth anymore, but at least we still got Jeff. At least Jeff Van Gundy is still commentating for us, but I think it's a good hiring. You know, Stan deserved another job. I'm glad he's getting another opportunity. And with a team that's got a lot of potential, he signed a four-year deal, so they're going to give him a chance to coach this team, see what he can do. And I expect them to improve, get better, especially on the defensive end of the side of things. He's a good defensive coach. He's a, he is kind of ahead of his time a little bit, too. Not to say that what he does is groundbreaking, but it was. So with that year with the Magic that they made it to the finals, they were a three-point shooting team. They surrounded Dwight Howard with three-point shooters, let Dwight control the paint. Oh, you're going to double him? Kick it out to shooters like Hito Turgaloo, J.J. Redick, Jameer Nelson, you know, some knockdown shooters, and bada-bing, bada-boom, they hit him all the way to the finals. Yeah, they lost to the Lakers because the Lakers were just a better team. But Van Gundy's shown that he is adaptable, he's innovative, he can get things done, and he can make the right moves, he knows how to win in this league, especially now with the three-ball era, as people like to describe it. Yeah, I think he will fit well his coaching style, and frankly, defense is one of his specialties. I think he will be a good coach because he'll get his team to play defense, and defense is crucial right now. So good hire by the Pelicans. The other head coach hiring was done by the Indiana Pacers. That's right. They hired a new coach. Someone is replacing Nate McMillan, and it is not Mike D'Antoni. The rumors were going around it was going to be D'Antoni, maybe Chauncey Billups. Nope, neither of them. They went with a Nick Nurse assistant coach. That right, that's right, under the Nick Nurse umbrella, Nate Bjorken. Hope I'm pronouncing his name right, but that's what we're going with. Yeah, that's right. He's a new, young coach. Nick Nurse has shown that he's had success early, you know, is a good defensive coach, throws a lot of different schemes out there. I expect more assistant coaches under Nick Nurse to get NBA coaching jobs because the Raptors do a lot with, I don't want to say a little, but they, he gets the best out of his players. And you got to expect the same thing if you're going to hire one of his assistant coaches, you know. Just a little track record on Nate Bjorken. Yeah, I'm sure not a lot of people know who he is. I didn't until I did a little research about him. He's been an assistant under Nick Nurse for the past two years. Um, they won two G League titles together. 
uh, back when Nick Nurse was coaching in the G League, um, making him the first assistant coach, that being Nick Nurse, to win an NBA Finals and a G League title. And uh, Bjorken was right there with Nurse, right there with him. So you got to expect him to be a decent coach. He's 45 years old. He's from Iowa. He was an assistant with the Phoenix Suns under Jeff Hornacek and Earl Watson. Um, he's also been a coach in the G League himself. Um, as a head coach in the G League, he's has 126 wins to 74 losses, and he's coached four different teams. Yeah, I don't really know where this Pacers team is going, to be perfectly honest with you. Apparently, Olin Depot wants out, but he's saying he wants to stay. But then he's saying when he becomes a free agent, he wants a max contract. He's definitely not getting that at the way he's played it to this point. He could earn it maybe this next season, but we will have to see. Apparently, Miles Turner might want a change of scenery as well. Other than that, they got Brogdon, TJ Warren, the surprise of the bubble, you know, giving you a 50-piece during the bubble. Um, uh, apparently, they might be interested in getting Gordon Hayward from the Boston Celtics and working out a trade. So a lot of they're going to have to do a number of different things. And I really don't know where this team is actually headed. But maybe bringing in a new coach, some fresh ideas, bringing a guy in, changes the dynamic of the organization. And you never know what they can do. Maybe he'll be instant success. That's the thing. You give a guy with no track record, really, other than G League. To, but you got to give guys a chance to prove themselves. Like, Nick Nurse needed to get, be given a chance to prove himself, and he did just that. Uh, he proved that he belonged as an NBA coach. He won a championship his first year. Even if you want to discredit that due to injuries, okay, they made it far in the playoffs with no definitive superstar and just some really nice players. Like, there's no superstar in the Raptors, and they succeed very well for what they do. So, I like the hiring at this point. You know, I like giving young coaches a chance, guys with no experience, because you got to prove it. you got to give guys opportunities. Everyone deserves an opportunity to be great and given that chance to show their greatness. So, let's see if Nate Bjorken can do just that with the Indiana Pacers. The third, I guess, final notable coaching hire. It's not a head coaching position. It is an assistant coaching hire. Amari Stoudemire. That's right, former all-star, former dunk champion, former Phoenix Suns, New York Knicks, power forward, pick-and-roll man with Steve Nash. That's right, he's joining Steve Nash on the Brooklyn Nets staff. He was playing in Israel. I mean, it's, he's still shown capabilities of being able to play professional basketball, not necessarily in the NBA. He's shown he's capable of playing professionally overseas. He was all right. He was playing in Israel. You know, I'm still just trying to do the thing. But um, why not? Former player, that instantly gives him respect in the locker room. Players are going to listen to that former all-star, you know, recognizable household name. It, players are going to respond to that. He's definitely knows some tricks of the trade. Um, I think it's a good hire. Why not? And for a coaching staff, I feel like you want a tight niche group of guys who are close to each other, can, you know, challenge each other without relationships getting too rough. And why not? Why not bring in a close friend who is your teammate? 
with the Phoenix Suns if you're Steve Nash? You know, why not? A guy who ha- helped you have tremendous success in Phoenix, why not give him an opportunity to coach with you? You know, apparently Nash wanted to bring in Dirk Nowitzki, but Dirk said he would only coach for the Dallas Mavericks. Most loyal player ever. I mean, him, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, I guess you could say Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, too. Got to be the most loyal players in NBA history. And they just don't change team. And Dirk's not even willing to coach other teams. Dirk Nowitzki, who, if he's willing to coach, is only willing to coach one team, and that's the organization that made him, gave him his name, gave him his start. Pretty incredible that his loyalty is that strong. I'll give him credit for that, and that's why Dirk's one of my favorite players ever. But I digress. Good hire by the Nets, bringing Amari Stoudemire as an assistant coach. He could get in there and practice. Throw bodies with the boys. Maybe teach DeAndre Jordan a little something. Maybe teach, uh, what's his name, Jarrett Allen a little something too. I'm sure Kevin Durant, Kyrie are okay with this hire as well. So it's the Nets. They're going to be a big storyline, and now we get to see a big man as the assistant coach for them. So those are the three most recent coaching hirings in the NBA to this point. Moving on, topic number four. Odell Beckham Jr. suspended? (laughs) Not in the NFL, but by his, well, where he played football, LSU. That's right. He's banned for two years, suspended from the facilities. Why, you might ask? Because he's handing out money during the national championship after they won the game. He was handed, apparently he handed out like $2,000 in $100 bills to the players. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, he's doing what the school should be doing to those kids, paying them. And I know it's very cute for people to say, oh, they get paid, they get scholarship. No, that's not a job. No, you're... They, you need to be paid for your services just because you're getting free school. Other people get that too. They could get an academic scholarship, not even get a, you know, not even get an athletic scholarship. And this doesn't go to every student. This means, I think every college athlete should be paid in some form, whether it's stipend, whether you're allowing them to get paid off their name and likeness, and that's the only way you're going to police it and allow it, okay, that's fine. But if some form, these players need to be compensated. Like, they're the draw. You know, you might say the school, the name, the brand is what they pay attention to, but these kids bring a lot of money into these universities. They are the product that is being put on the field. Not, yeah, they just happen to be wearing your school's colors and your little logo. But they're not making money off any of the jerseys that you sell with their number on it. Like, you are cleaning up all the money. So I will, I like Odell for paying them. He also was probably paying them because he was trashed. I mean, he was spanking cops in the locker room uh, as he's handing out money. I mean, he was belligerently drunk. You just go look at the videos. He's just trashed. <laughs> he's just having a good time. His school won the national championship, baby. It's time to turn up, give back to these players. <laughs> Here's some money. Oh, I'm going to get suspended for it? I don't care. We won the national championship. He's doing a service to those kids. He's doing what that school doesn't have the balls to do or the NCAA and the corrupt organization that they are that they have to do and pay these athletes. This doesn't just go for football players. Not just football players should be paid. All college athletes should be paid. All of them. Every single one of them. Or all of them should have a chance to make money. 
like I said. But I digress with that. Yeah, that's, you know, they a little self-imposed suspensions for LSU. Just a shady school. I mean, just a shady athletic program. Whoever the athletic director there is just <laughs> has no control over the football program and the basketball program. I mean, just, you know, yeah. Odell Beckham got banned for two years for giving out $2,000 to a bunch of players, you know. That, that's what happened to him. Oh, but another thing that happened, oh, well, their program also is doing something else. Oh, that's right. They're, they're not just, it's not just Odell Beckham's fault. No, no, no. School gave out, <laughs> get this, after a two-year case involving a booster named John Paul Foons, who paid approximately $180,000 of money stolen from a children's hospital foundation to the father of a former LSU offensive lineman, uh, what's his name, Videl Alexander, over a five-year period. You're telling me this booster stole money from a children's hospital foundation? Oh, that's scum Oh, you are scum. You could get that money from anywhere. You could just steal it from anyone, and you're going to take it from a children's hospital foundation. Oh, my God. But, yeah, oh, self-imposed penalties by LSU. No, no, no. Yeah, forget the NCAA coming down on us. We're going to self-impose these. It's on us. They eliminate... 12.5% of official and unofficial visits, a 21-day reduction of the normal 168-day of allowable off-campus contacts, and six-week ban in communications with prospects. Oh. Oh, that's just so much valuable time for stealing money from a children's hospital foundation. Oh, it's criminal. Oh, it's criminal. And you think that's the only thing? How do you think they get the likes of all these top recruits? This, and how do they get Ben Simmons to go to their basketball program? I mean, LSU basketball is irrelevant. You know, they had Shaquille O'Neal go there, but I wonder why he went there too, huh? I would imagine somewhere along the line, somewhere in the Simmons and O'Neal family got money for going to LSU. And there's more to it. It's not <laughs> the basketball program is also under NCAA investigation. <laughs> oh, it's just it doesn't get old. They're accusing LSU's basketball coach Will Wade of either arranging or offering or providing impersonable benefits, including cash payments to at least eleven potential recruits or others around them. Eleven. I'm <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wade was infamously heard discussing making a strong offer for a recruit on a federal wiretap. You know, this has been going on for a while. Like, whoever this athletic director is, is lucky. He must just have the full support of these boosters and people funding this program and, like, Somehow must have an in with the school's president because the president of the school must just be like, "This, what is going on over there? Like, you need to get these people in check." And remember that, like LSU was suspended from SEC champion NCAA tournaments, SEC and NCAA tournaments. They were reinstated back April fourteenth, but 
God, where there's smoke, there's fire. Where there's fire, there's flame. <laughs> like, you can't tell me that this school and athletic program isn't on some shady things. And just, oh, so, ban OBJ. Get that as the top headline. That's really what it is. They put that out there as well. So that would cover up the headlines for all the other things and all the other things that they are mismanaging at that school. No, no, Odell Beckham, he's the big name. He, he will get the attention away from us and our football scummery of stealing from a children's foundation and the basketball coach talking about paying recruits. <laughs> oh, should be noted, I think he was Ben Simmons' coach, too. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to make any assumptions. I don't know why the top recruit in the country would want to go to a dead basketball program like LSU. <laughs> oh, it is comical. The, just the scum of the NCAA and just these programs that have to do it dirty. Like, they just have to do it dirty because that's what this organization has set them up to do. Oh, it's a mob. It's, it's the mob out there. Just make it, it's the wild, wild west. And the NCAA is just like, they're just the incompetent sheriffs that are just like, can't believe all this is going on. I just can't believe it. <laughs> what a joke. What a joke that the NCAA is. What a joke all around. Mm -mm -mm. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Moving on, topic number five. You know, it's the NBA offseason now. And with that always comes all of the rumors, all of the speculation. Guy's not happy here. Guy wants out. This team is going to make moves. This team is interested in making a trade for that guy, so-and-so, so on and so forth. We will dive into the rumor mill. As a matter of fact, we're going to touch base on, as of this moment, the five biggest rumors that I've heard and that piqued my interest a little bit. You know, some of them are actually interesting storylines that, you know, need to be spoken about. Other than them are fantasy world things that I don't think will happen. First one, that falls under the ladder. CP3 to the Lakers. Look, I know LeBron James and Chris Paul are very close friends. The Banana Boat crew, you know, they're so close together. But Chris Paul is 38 years old. I know the Oklahoma City Thunder overachieve. Chris Paul didn't have a major injury. It makes sense why the Lakers would be interested in him. And, of course, Chris Paul wants a championship. The Lakers just won a championship. They're in position to win and put themselves to win another championship as LeBron's still the best player in the world. Anthony Davis, one of the best players in the world. They're going to gear up to go next year, make the roster better, to put themselves in championship contender world. Bringing in Chris Paul will not do that. Here's why. Contract, 38, $38 million. That's right. That's what Chris Paul will be paid for the next, what, two, three years? Oh, my goodness. That's a lot of money for a 38-year-old point guard. That is an absurd amount of money. And Chris Paul deserves the money. Yeah, the point guard, I've never been that big a fan of his. I'm not going to start fanboying over him if he were to go to the Lakers or anything like that. I just think it's a bad decision for the Lakers. I think the reason the Lakers were as successful as they were this year, they had good depth. You know, I know the role players, yeah, you could say Danny Green didn't play that great. I don't think he did. But 
then you wouldn't have guys like Danny Green, Caldwell Pope, Rondo. I mean, Rondo and Chris Paul on the same team? I mean, I know Rondo's a free agent, but I would bring back Rondo before I'd bring in Chris Paul, in all honesty. It would destroy the Lakers' depth. I don't like Chris Paul to the Lakers. Unless, for some insane reason, because Chris Paul is still a starting-level point guard in the league. Needless to say, he's definitely one of the best point guards in the league still right now. But injury concerns worry me. He has gotten hurt in the playoffs a lot. A lot. He gets injured a decent amount. He has missed crucial games. I mean, the Rockets, they were 3-2 against the Warriors. Chris Paul got hurt. They lose in seven games. I mean, you never know what could happen if Chris Paul stays out there and doesn't get hurt. It was the difference maker for the series, honestly. But I, I think bringing him in would do more harm than good just because the Lakers have no depth. I don't know who they would be able to put alongside because Braun, he's making big money. Anthony Davis plans on opting out of his player option and signing a long-term deal. You know he's going to ask for a lot of money. I don't think he's going to ask for a long-term deal. I expect it to be like a two-, three-year deal, opt-out, player option the third year, something like that. Maybe he will be smart, give them cap flexibility, but I don't think bringing Chris Paul is the answer. I feel like you could bring in two other solid pieces with the money you save off, maybe the Davis contract. Bring in some solid other guys to play with you and LeBron. Like, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are enough to win a championship with the proper role players around them. They showed that this year, that they can get it done with the right guys around them. So, no. Chris Paul to the Lakers. Please don't do it, Lakers. Please don't trade for him. You'll destroy cap space. You'll ruin the depth of the team. Strength in numbers, I think, goes a long way in the NBA when it comes to bench time, role player minutes playing alongside stars. Like It would destroy their depth. Don't do it. Please don't, Lakers. Don't sign Chris Paul or trade for him. The second big rumor, Bradley Beal has been in trade talks for a while. They're saying that he doesn't want to be in with the Wizards. He says he wants to play his entire career there, obviously saying the right things. Obviously, they got to prove to win. You never know. Maybe one day he could just say, all right, I want out. Trade me. And a lot of people are speculating that he would go to the Golden State Warriors. That's right. A package with Andrew Wiggins, the second overall pick, and maybe another role player like Eric Paschal. You know, wherever you want to throw around. No. No, why? Okay, first of all, why teams would even like try to help the Warriors get better is beyond me. Second of all, draft picks are overvalued in the NBA. This draft, no disrespect to any of the players. I think some of them could turn out to be fine, good players. Wizards, don't do this. Hold on to Bradley Beal. You can get a better offer down the line. And he signed an extension. Like, he's under contract for, I think, another three, four years, if I'm not mistaken. But don't do this. Like, Wiggins is, look, Wiggins is not a number two. He's a good number three. He would turn into number two with the Wizards. It wouldn't help you. The number two overall pick. Look, you have John Wall. You're not getting rid of that contract. You might as well fight for playoff spots now while you got to hold on to that contract because you'll never be able to trade it. And there's no point to release him because you just have to pay him. Like, you got to give John Wall a chance to play, prove himself, keep Bradley Beal there, keep that backcourt tandem together. It would be unbelievable, the shooting for Golden State if Bradley Beal went there. Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, Bradley Beal. Oh, my goodness. 
I they'll Clay Thompson can guard forwards, but the defense might be a little slacking. But that offense would be dangerous, dangerous offense right there. But I I don't like it because I think picks are overvalued. Like who are you gonna get if you're the Wizards? You take the okay. Let's say you take the trade, trade Beal to the Warriors. All right, you got Wiggins, you got Wall. Who are you gonna bring in? Let's say at this point we don't know who the Timberwolves have any indication on who they're going to pick. But let's say that Anthony Edwards happens to slip to that two spot, and the Timberwolves don't pick him. Okay, so you got Wall, Edwards, Wiggins. All right, that's okay, but how is that any better? How does that put you in any better position than having Bradley Beal and then trying to sign some other role players and saving... I just, they have to offer more. The, I'm not sold on the trade, and especially helping out the Warriors. Like, why would you want to make the rich richer? Teams that win NBA trades get the most talent. Whoever gets the most talented player wins the trade. That's usually and always how it happens. And then just look at the most recent thing. <laughs> Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Everyone, oh, they gave up Lonzo. They gave up Ingram. They gave up Hart. They gave up draft picks. Oh, my God, Lakers gave up too much is what they were saying. Oh, an NBA championship is too much for one of the best bigs in the game. I think the best big in the game. No, they gave up too much. Load of crap. Load of crap. Keep the talent. Hold on to talent. Unless the guy makes it clear that he doesn't want to play there and doesn't want to be there, hold on to the talent. Don't get rid of talent. And Bradley Beal is young. <laughs> he is young. He's, what, 25? 24? He's young. He is a young player. We don't realize how young these guys are. You think they've been in the league? Yeah, they've been in the league for five years. They go to college for a year when, and come into the league when they're 19 years old, play for four or five years, and we don't realize that they're still just in their adolescence, really. Uh, you got to give these time, guys time to work together. I like Beal and Wall as a combo. I don't know why you would give up on it so quickly if you're the Wizards, and there's no reason to hit the restart button because you got that John Wall contract. And excuse me, Bradley Beal's actually 27. He's my age, so he's not that young. I like to think I'm young, but he's not that young. But he's still, what was he? Second in scoring this year, averaging almost 30. Yeah, that number might go down a little bit with John Wall, but I feel like John Wall will play off that feed Bradley Beal the ball a lot as the point guard, let Bradley Beal run the offense when John Wall isn't on the floor. I mean, it just – don't get rid of Beal if you're the Wizards. I, they already have a decent draft pick. Like, just hold on to what you got and then make a move if you just – if you want to do that. I say hold on to Beal. You know, there's no re... And I, th I don't think there's that much value in this year's number two pick. Not enough value to make you want to trade an all-star caliber player, that's for sure. You know, you could say these guys are going to turn into all-stars, but yeah, what? Bradley Beal was an all-star for, like, the first time in his career at 27. And these guys who are coming into the draft are 19 years old, so they're not going to be all-stars till fifth or sixth year. Pfft. Was that worth trading for? You tell me. No. No, it wasn't. I'll answer it for you. It was not. So, don't do this. And also, I don't want to make the Warriors better. I, just, I don't want to see them improve at all. 
if we're going to be perfectly honest. You know, their time was here, and they still got a former MVP, still got a former Defensive Player of the Year. Clay Thompson's coming back. They're still going to be a good team. They still got Andrew Wiggins. They might even bring in another center like Dwight Howard, DeMarcus Cousins, bring him back. And they could do a number of different things. I just don't think that this trade package of this number two overall pick and Wiggins is enough to just get an all-star caliber player. I just, I don't know what some teams would be thinking if they decided to make this deal. So, no, Beal to the Warriors, that's not happening either. Third rumor that's going on, Clippers blowing it up. After blowing the 3-1 lead, Steve Ballmer, you know, he fired Doc Rivers. He was talking about he wants to trade everyone on the team. He wants to get rid of everyone, bring in an overhaul. He was pissed. He was ashamed on how the team performed. You know, hired Ty Lu. Now a lot of rumors are saying that they're going to change that roster up big time. I think they're definitely going to make moves. They're going to bring in other players. When you look at it, who distributes the ball on the team? Like, where do the assists come from? No, they don't come from anywhere. They were, like, 22nd in the league in assists. Of all the teams in the league, they were 22nd. You know, that's bottom half. And that's bottom third, if you want to be real honest. Like, they're just... They, Patrick Beverly ain't doing it. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard aren't distributing the ball. They're not LeBron James out there who can go out and just average 10 assists in year 17. I mean, they're not doing those things. I mean, they don't have any passing. There's no ball movement. They got a lot of ISO scores, guys who need the ball to be able to score for themselves. There's not a lot of guys who can play make, make things happen. So I do see them bringing in a playmaker. I don't know who they could bring in. Like, with the contracts that they got locked up, you know, they got Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. They gave away everything for Paul George. I mean, it is the most <laughs> it is the most absurd trade package you'll ever see. It's literally the, the Thunder finessed. Oh, my God. Kawhi Leonard put the Clippers back against the wall by being like, I want to play with another superstar. Who can I play with? Well, I'm decent friends with Paul George. been talking to him. Get me him. Oh, my God. It is... I just need to read it. Like It is so much. It is so much for one player. I, I really can't believe a team did this. For a guy that finished third in MVP voting. Uh, like, <laughs> my God. Let me just read off what they gave away. So Shea Gillis-Alexander, very solid player. Very solid player. Expiring contract, Dino Gallinari. He'll go play for a different team this year, I think. He's going to go want to play with a contender. But <laughs> they were solid. They were solid in their time. Gallinari averaged 19 points when he was with the Clippers and then did pretty well this year. He's going to be a solid piece for a championship team. Shea Gillis-Alexander was great this year. I think he averaged 17 for the Thunder. Stepped up real nicely for them, looking like a shooting guard of the future in this league. <laughs> so those two players all right the Clippers first round picks in 2022 2024 2026 <laughs> three first round picks in the even number of years all right it gets more they give away more they give away more two first round choices via Miami in 2021 and 2023 and OKC obtain the right swap to first round picks in 2023 and 2025 Oh, my God. 
So count it, two players, three first-round draft picks, two first-round dra- round choices via Miami, and then two first-round swaps in 2023-2025 for one player, and a player who's come up short time and time again in the postseason. Oh, my God. It's just it's the finesse of the year. Now, if Paul George bounces back, proves me wrong, I'm all for it. Prove me wrong, but at this point, oh, my God, Clippers, you got finesse. You don't have a draft pick. So the only thing they can do is go to the market, make some trades. All right, who are you trading? Harold's a free agent. I don't know how much value Beverly has. He'd be a decent role player off the bench for someone as a backup point guard. Lou Will, I has some trade value being one of the better six men in the league. Outside of that, you have to trade Paul George. (laughs) And to think you gave up that much for him. Another reason why. (laughs) This is another reason why some of these teams are just incompetent and don't realize what draft picks can do for you. I mean, some teams are just like, oh, the number two overall pick is good enough to get you an all-star caliber player. Like, I saw some trade rumor that was like, oh, the Warriors could get Giannis Antetokounmpo if he decides to leave for the second overall pick, Andrew Wiggins, Eric Pascal, and then, like, a second-round pick. And it's like, you're telling me the two-time MVP defensive player of the year, Giannis Antetokounmpo, debatably top five player in the league is only getting you two draft picks and Andrew Wiggins and another role player. When Paul George (laughs) got you two decent role players, five first round picks and two first round pick swaps. Oh, what? Oh my God. No. Like some of these players require the Kings ransom. Like I consider Beal on the, as of right now, I consider Beal, Paul George kind of on the same level. I would honestly go with Beal at this point because I don't believe in Paul George in late-game situations and clutch situations. Yeah, Beal hasn't shown me the opportunities, but again, I'll go with the younger player as well. If Be- again, if Paul George is claiming that many picks, a guy like Beal should be claiming at least four or five picks himself. The Warriors aren't going to give that up for Bradley Beal. Like, that's how some of these teams should look at it when it comes to trading all-star caliber players. They should need to look at this OKC Clippers deal and be like, okay, yeah, we might not get that, but, (laughs) well, you got to throw in a lot of other stuff. I mean, Paul George ain't worth all that. But I digress with this Clippers team. Moves will be made. Moves will be made. And I think they're going to make a move for a point guard. What point guard that is, they could go a number of different ways in a future episode, next episode, actually. We'll break down who the top free agents are moving into this offseason. Free agency starts December 1st, but hmm. Clippers, moves will be made. I believe that. They will be an active team once free agency starts and once teams are allowed to make trades. I expect the Clippers to be in the news and seeing ESPN updates from Adrian Wojnarowski or Shams about who's getting traded. Because guys are getting traded. We're moving off of players. It's going to happen. Uh, Another rumor that I need is Ben Simmons with the 76ers talking about possibly being gone. That's right. They brought in Doc Rivers. 
correction, I guess it's Glen Rivers now, since there's only one dock in with the 76ers, and that's right. You know, I respect Rivers for doing that. Paying homage to the great Dr. J. Like, good for him. Way to do it. But, yeah, apparently moving off of Simmons already. And again, this is another team. Where do you find value? First, you got no cap space. Absolutely none. You sign Tobias Harris to a long-term deal. You sign Al Horford to a long-term deal. The only guy who really does bring value to the 76ers team to improve is Ben Simmons. I just, I would figure with a new coach, yeah, at least if you got two top 10 players, as people like to say in the Eastern Conference together, like, why not give them a chance to run together? Maybe Doc Rivers can figure it out. Maybe he can get the best out of Tobias Harris because uh, he played for him with the Clippers. He was played well with the Clippers when Harris was there under Doc Rivers. You, you never know. But it just that Al Horford contract just kills them. Like, there's no way they're trading either of those two players unless they can get value next year or before the trade deadline. It's just... It, this is something that I could see happening. If if I were to get rid of a one of the two, of Simmons or Embiid, of the 76ers, I would get rid of Simmons first. And that's strictly because he doesn't shoot. Strictly. Like, Embiid wants it. People can say, oh, he doesn't try hard on every play. They can say whatever he wants. Look, if a guy is going to be crying after playoff games, you know he wants it. You know he feels a certain type of way about it. Joel Embiid wants to win. I imagine Simmons wants to win, too. But I like the talent of Embiid more. Uh, I like Embiid's upside more, yeah? He's got a little more injury concerns. Ben Simmons has gotten injured before, too. But just he's so offensive his offensive limitations just hurt your team. If you put him, surround him with shooters, then he could be successful since, you know, you couldn't clog the lane. But I just, the guy has been in the league for a few years and has shown no indication that his offensive game is improving. It hasn't, it hasn't gotten better at all offensively for Ben Simmons because of his, uh, he just doesn't shoot. I never have seen an NBA player who has been given opportunities to shoot not do it. It's almost baffling to believe. And his offensive game really hasn't gotten any better. What did he average when he came in the league? He averaged 15.8 points a game. What did he average in year two? 16.9 points a game. Okay, one point better. All right, what did he do this past season? (laughs) 16.4. He didn't get better. The assist numbers are the same. The rebound numbers are the same. He averaged more steals this year. That's why he was on the NBA defensive team. The field goal percentage numbers are deceiving because all he does is dunks, layups, and floaters. Uh, he, he doesn't shoot. I don't know how else you can criticize him other than like he's a phenomenal talent who just doesn't shoot the ball. Maybe he can't. I, I imagine it's in his head. Like, at least, you know, Markel Fultz, the former 76er, at least he's attempting to shoot now. At least he is trying out there. Ben Simmons, oh, he doesn't even shoot. Oh, he doesn't even look. <laughs> no chance. You could be 15 feet off him. He's not pulling it. He'll do it in a preseason game. He'll do it when it doesn't matter. 
Maybe he'd do it in garbage time, but he doesn't do it when it matters, which is a detriment to his team. It probably lost Brett Brown his job when you really think about it. Just mm. So I would get rid of Simmons. So this is something I don't want to say he's going to have. You know, he's coming off of a knee injury. He had surgery on it. Most likely how he'll be coming into next year, you know, he, his value isn't that high right now. But maybe a team is very high on him. We'll give you a lot for him. But I would figure Rivers is going to give the tandem another chance to see if he can make it work. Let's see. I expect him to. There's no reason to just get rid of him like that. So we going to see. We going to see. The final rumor that just needs to be spoken about real quickly. The Nuggets not taking calls on Michael Porter Jr. Good. Good. He looked good. As a rookie, you know, back surgery, major back surgery for a teenager, I'm always concerned about, but he played very nicely as a role player for the Nuggets, showed that he can definitely be a star in this league. His size, length, and ability is incredible. Needs to work things on the defensive end, but he's a rookie that will come. He's a great shooter. He's knocked down some shots, put up some big points in some playoff games, and during the bubble, I love Michael Porter Jr.'s upside. It really just comes down to if he can stay healthy. That's the difference maker for him. If he can stay healthy, he can easily be, I think he can be a 25-point scorer in this league. Absolutely. You put him in the starting lineup with Murray and Jokic, he'll get the opportunities. They they will feed him the ball. It almost seemed like he had the green light when he was on the court. He was money in some of those games for the Nuggets. I love his upside. The Nuggets shouldn't take calls on him. They really shouldn't because he has a lot of potential, a lot of upside. And the Nuggets, they're a team of the future, so you got to hold on to the young guys. See, they can't build off making it to the Western Conference Finals this year and beating a Finals favorite in the Clippers and coming back 3-1. This team showed they got intestinal fortitude. They did it twice. Came back 3-1 twice, did it against the Jazz and the Clippers. you got to like this Nuggets upside. Good for them. Hold on to Michael Porter Jr. Don't let him walk away. Now let's move on to my unpopular opinion. We've gone long, so I'll make this quick here. Look, I guess this is an unpopular opinion to have now, but we're allowed to have different opinions and still get along. That's right. It's a very hard concept. I know with these tumultuous times, oh, it's just so tough to agree anymore. But this mob mentality of you got to agree with me or go fuck yourself is a terrible way to be living, people. Like, it is just awful. Like, you should be glad that we can have discourse and discuss and have different conversations and come to different conclusions. I mean, wouldn't it kind of suck if we all thought the same thing and agreed everything should be done a certain way? I feel like that'd be a pretty shitty way to live. I think it's called communism. You go talk to someone from Cuba, I don't like that. I don't like communism one bit. I, I'm glad that I live in a country where we're allowed to have differing opinions, but everyone now, God, just I'm not allowed to have my own opinion anymore. You're not allowed to think a certain way that you've been brought up to think. Look, there are some things that, yeah, you shouldn't think. You shouldn't be racist in 2020. You shouldn't be di- discriminating against other people's skin. But when it comes to, you know, non, not as serious issues as race, if you want to talk about it, 
like he could disagree on things, specifically with sports. Like this Michael Jordan, LeBron James debate should not become violent. I saw a news headline that said some a guy shot his friend over the LeBron James, Michael Jordan debate. It is not that serious. <laughs> it really isn't. They're playing a game. They are playing basketball. It's no reason to be dying over it. Like, have a different opinion. Think differently. Think for yourself. Don't just dive into a certain way of thinking just because if it helps make you feel better amongst other people. Like, have a different opinion. And it's okay to have a different opinion. Voice that different opinion. And if someone voices a different opinion to you, maybe have a conversation with them and figure out why they think that way. Because maybe their experience differ from yours, and that's how they came to the conclusion that they believe a certain thing that you don't. You never know. You can have a great stimulating conversation with someone. Maybe you can learn something new. Maybe they can change your mind. You know, talking and discourse amongst people is what it's all about. That's what life is. New experience, meeting new people, having new interactions. That's what we should enjoy. So have a different opinion. Have friends who have different opinions and discuss those differing opinions and enjoy each other for having different opinions. I I wouldn't have any friends if we agreed on everything. I want to punch myself in the face. (laughs) (laughs) If someone agreed with every single word I said, I want friends and colleagues who disagree with me and challenge me and ask me to think differently and put things in a different light. It makes life better to disagree with each other and yet still be cordial and friends with one another. And that's my unpopular opinion. And that's the end of episode 34 of the Hang Time with Hoggy podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Check me out on social media. And remember, during this COVID-19 pandemic that is still going, people, wash your damn hands. All right, I'm out. Peace. Peace.